Hi, I'm Kim Budin. Welcome to Milo's Music Parlor, a live music speakeasy and podcast show brought to you by Milo Records New Orleans and itsneworleans.com. Every week we bring you and our live audience a taste of the musicians who shape the New Orleans music landscape from the living legends to the young upstarts to those burgeoning national and international acts making the extra effort to stop right here. Milo's Music Parlor is a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. We're coming to you from Tassology, an art and music cafe here on O.C. Haley Boulevard in the heart of Central City. Today we're joined by Helen Gillet. Je vous fais une lettre que vous lirez peut-être si vous avez le temps. Je viens de recevoir mes papiers militaires pour Originally raised in Belgium, Singapore, and possibly Pluto, Helen Gillet eventually landed in New Orleans in 2003. Since then, she's been named 2014's Best Female Performer by The Gambit and A Rising Star by Downbeat's Critics Poll in 2013. From her music, we know she can speak English, French, and the occasional Hungarian, but the actual music she plays is much more difficult to describe. A combination of original compositions, French and other European folk songs, and avant-garde, she performs sometimes solo, sometimes with a full backup band, and sometimes with a loop pedal. She straddles cultures and genres, touring internationally on a regular basis, armed with her cello. And like many of our Milo Parlor musicians, Helen Gillet calls New Orleans home. Hi, Helen. Thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me. So you, I read somewhere you were raised in Singapore, where you first learned to play the cello, and you hugged it for a month before you played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what you felt in that month of hugging it before you played, and why? Um, I blame uh, my first cello teacher. Um, she was an absolutely wonderful lady. Uh, she was Filipino. She played in the Singapore Symphony Orchestra. Her name is Ermina Ilano. She's still teaching in Singapore today. And um, she had a very uh, sort of zen and hands-on physical approach to first lessons with the cello. It wasn't Im immediately start playing. It was get comfortable with this object that you're going to be you know, sitting with and, you know, making music out of it, it was, it's um, a physical change and uh, it was important to learn how to get comfortable with the instrument. So she just literally had me sit down and hug the cello. <laughs> she would play a song, I would listen, and then she'd check my posture by the end of the song that she was playing if I had, you know, shifted or out of position. And she'd sort In of your hugging position. In my hugging, but hugging it, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because actually playing the cello is not far-fetched from hugging it. You're just waving your arms a little bit, but it's still like a <laughs> hug. Um, so, How long saying, in each session were you hugging this cello? Well, I, I would say I'd hug it, and then I'd just sit with it and listen to her play for about five minutes, and then we'd get back into you know, readjusting the position for a few minutes, and then we'd go back to... I remember she would play the swan for me, and I just it made you want to play the cello. She was very good at enticing children into playing the cello. She uh, was a very good uh, teacher at that, so... I think there's a, also an Oriental, like, Asian uh, tradition of teaching, a way of teaching that's totally different than any European or American style. It's much more, um, it was just much more philosophical, and, like, it, the introduction was a totally different type of introduction than if I had started with a Western teacher, I believe. Um, 
So I kind of think back to that a lot, how um, living in Asia and growing up and having my first lessons there shaped my um, my style, my my approach to the instrument. You mentioned that she played in the orchestra. Yes. So she was classically trained, and it sounds like probably you were classically trained, did a lot of uh, repertoire that was classical music. But yes. I've also read quotes that you've said you couldn't be hired by the Louisiana Philharmonic because you've contaminated the instrument for them. What did you mean by that? <laughs> I just think I've been in New Orleans 13 years. I do have a master's degree in cello performance, which I did get in New Orleans. And I think the first two years I lived here, I was getting my master's. So a lot of the classical players I would be playing, I did a lot of weddings to support myself um, as, a, as a full-time musician right off the bat. Uh, that, that put food on the table. And, um, There's no shame in working. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, thank God. I'm a cello player because everybody wants a cello for their wedding. And, you know, <laughs> my first bag of groceries was a godsend. So, um, but, but uh, so I think a lot of the LPO musicians, you know, they knew me as a classical player. But every other moment I was out playing in a tango band, in a jazz band, trying to learn how to improvise, you know, doing Indian classical music, a lot of different styles. And uh, as I got you know, better at doing that and more well-known at doing that and not classical music, I think I raised some eyebrows in the classical world, like, oh, well, I don't know if, you know, she's maybe not, you know, Your classical, classical cello material. had been sleeping around, sounds yeah. like, Whoa. to them, to them. Uh, your words. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh la la. Do you, do you ever turn back? Do you ever think it'd be kind of nice to have a more regular gig, benefits, I suppose? You mean, like, playing part classical of the and... Here or anywhere? Yeah, um, sometimes I, so I miss the chamber material more than anything. I, I played, um, remember the Shostakovich quartet, string quartet, um, number five was this beautiful string quartet. And uh, I played that in high school when we often think to that. And I, the Rachmaninoff cello piano sonata, these really passionate, beautiful works that are amazing. And I do miss that sometimes. Um, the kind of study, but I, I think I just pour that desire to to really get into a piece of music and study it. I pour that into my live show now. I try to find the complexity in my looping mm-hmm. and uh, in improvising. It's like the Marines. Many try, few succeed, <laughs> and you totally kill it. When did you decide to go in that direction? I just knew I was never going to make a good Marine. <laughs> <laughs> so you picked. The so I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll choose the loop pedal. That's that's going to be that's accessible to me. Um, no, I'm a good swimmer, um, but <laughs> no, I, I chose. I guess the loop pedal, I, you know, um, you're, as a cello player wanting to get into improvised music and also getting into different genres and, and electrified sound, uh, there's nothing funner than walking into Guitar Center with a cello and saying, I want to plug in, because like, immediately people flock around, the Guitar Center guys, you know, you know them, 
the long haired guys. They're like, hey, can I help you? Yeah, or like, whoa, you're gonna you should plug into this, dude. Oh my god, the cello and it's so much fun. It's like you get so much attention. And I got lots of pedals and uh, thrown at me and I was looking at all of them and then one guy, and I don't remember who it is, and I really wish I did, because I'd love to thank him, said, uh, hey, you should try a loop pedal, you know, and I tried it and I'm like ooh, this is fun, and so I bought it. It was a small one called the RC20, and it has just, you know, an on, record, play, and off, and delete, you know, that was all you really needed. And I used it to compose at home. I used it to record a bass line, and I record a melody line on top of it. It was just like a really easy way for me to uh, have two voices instead of one on the cello. thought I'm just gonna do this at home to write and it's gonna be great and maybe record that's as far as I got but I never thought I'd be you know comfortable enough with it to play live because like you said it does take practice like any instrument it's adding a new instrument you're 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 going from being maybe a this is I've never used this analogy before so let's see how it goes but like a conga <laughs> player to a full kit player you've got all all limbs going you know the loop pedal you've got your instrument and you've got your feet working or your foot just one foot really doing all the work but you, you know you have to it's really a, a new instrument so I, I just enjoyed it at home and kept playing with it until I got good enough to to brave my first live performance with it and those were those were rough around the edges you know uh, it takes a while to learn that too performance uh, and practice or you know I've seen you. I've seen you also with the strand of Christmas lights on you. Oh, you saw that show? Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that was at the Hi Ho Lounge. Yeah. 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 That was funny. I, I don't know. So you what. didn't repeat it. You remember what show? <laughs> there was only one time. Yeah. It's like only one time with a unicorn mask and only one time with a strand of lights. Some um, moments cannot be repeated or forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that strand of lights got very hot, and I was starting to sweat, and I'm like, I hope I don't die tonight. But um, I didn't. I survived to tell the tale. There was something about that night that I felt like I needed, uh, needed a little something, and I the found this battery-operated strand of lights in the back room, and one thing led to another. So I actually read this article recently. I, I, it made me think of you. Someone had commissioned a cello that had like a whole LED setup on it, so the cello itself lights when she hits certain notes. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah, I think I have. Do you remember who that is? Somebody was mentioning this to me, but I, I, I'm, I can't say the name of this person. Is, is that next on your list? Are we the LED cello? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I've got lots of ideas. You know, I, I someday I'm working on building a studio in my backyard, and I've got 
13 or 14, I can't remember how many are left, beat up cellos that are pretty pretty bad shape and they're they're purposefully going to be um, sacrificed to the visual art okay. realm and sonic realm of experimentation. Uh, I made one into a Mardi Gras costume when I uh, went to Mardi Gras' Van Helen. Uh, <laughs> and um, a pun you just can't resist when, when you're rocking out on the cello. Um, and your name's Helen. I mean, it was just too good to be, too good to pass up. But um, so I, I, di- I discovered the fine art of making Eddie Van Halen's like red, black, white motif, you know? Uh, <laughs> Fine art. Yes, very. <laughs> and so I painted, but I've also painted a cello white and done, experimented with projecting a little bit on it. And I'd like to further that. And huh. I have other ideas, you know, fish tank cello. I mean, it, sure. There's lots of stuff sure. floating around here. <laughs> Rolls so we'll off see. The, yeah, I mean, so many. Um, and your, your background, you grew up partly in Singapore, partly in Belgium, too. I was born in Belgium. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's where my French comes from. Um, I'm born in Wallonia, which is the French part of Belgium. It's a southern, uh, eastern part. It touches the German border and the French border. I just know Tintin. Tintin, Possibly. very good. And you yeah. Milo. Yeah. Yes, actually, that's who he's named after. Really? My, he's my sidekick. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is he really? Because I'm gullible. He is. Oh, okay. No, no, no right. really. Well, he's a dog. He does, he's not the same type. He's not the terrier like right. Milu is. But That's here in America, his name is Snowy, which is not nearly as cool. I know. Why did they Milo, change it? I know. Yeah. I know. Huh. Translation. Well, Tintin. And then, you know, uh, I like to promote the Smurfs. They were uh-huh. from Belgium. Yeah. Right. Le Stumpf. Stumpf. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a high fiver right there. <laughs> this woman knows her stuff. Uh-oh. Uh, so why why where how are you globe trotting at such a young age? What what were your parents doing? Something. My father is Belgian, so he he ended up in the states uh, at the University of Chicago where he met my mother, who they were both getting their master's degree and then fell in love and got married in Belgium. So my American mom uh, was the adventuresome type who decided to follow him to Belgium and start a family. So that's how I was. I came to be. <laughs> and, uh, and then my father is also an adventuresome type, and he took a job in Singapore. Uh-huh. It was in the 80s. There were a lot of expatriate jobs. Uh, people, uh, Singapore was luring expatriates to come you know, Technical with their business. Technical right. Yeah. So he was part of that. And so I had a beautiful childhood, swimming a lot. Uh, there were monkeys in my classroom in the French school in Singapore. I mean, I get to huh. say that. That's really happened, you know. I don't think I dreamt it, and I have an older brother to vouch for things when I <laughs> really doing that. When you're not sure if you're just being yeah, a like, loopy artist. Yeah, like, did I artist? dream that? Or? <laughs> but I had a, a very beautiful, fantastic childhood of going, going a lot of different places. We traveled a lot. Uh, there was a culture of travel with an expatriate community in Singapore, and we, we got to go to India, got to go to Indonesia, and, um, went, uh, and then every summer we'd go back and forth to Belgium, Chicago, back to Belgium, and then back to Singapore. So, Well, I was just going to point out, I mean, you speak a very American-sounding English. At, at some point, was your upbringing here as well. Yes. So after all of this, we moved to Chicago with my mother um, when I was 12. So I really have spent the majority of my life in the U.S., in the Chicago area, then up in Wisconsin, and then I moved to New Orleans 13 years ago. And here you are. Yeah, this is the longest I've ever lived anywhere in New Orleans. I mean, you kind of live here. You tour quite a bit, correct? It's correct? true, yeah. And tour internationally as well? Yes, I do, yeah. 
this summer is taking me over to Italy, Switzerland, Belgium, and then Australia, actually, for the first time. And how do you feel like your audience is, what's your reception like overseas, and how is that different from how your audience is here in the U.S.? I think you tour the East Coast, if that's correct, or? Yeah, um, I have a really uh, interesting self-made tour circuit that is, I have a hard time even understanding how I, you know, I'm, I get hired to do a house concert off the coast of Seattle in a tiny village, you know, I have to take a ferry to my show <laughs> and you, you get really good at the dolly system with an amplifier and a cello. And then I also get asked to go play great festivals, you know, um, and so it really ranges depending on the circumstances. Um, I've also done the self-propelled European adventure where I'm, I'm on a train ferry to Denmark and, you know, I leave the, and the train takes off without me and I have to run. Anyway, there's, <laughs> there's some stories, you know, of travel and do-it-yourself stuff. But I, I've also gotten um, more and more shows that have been wonderful, like festivals and bigger gigs that have um, welcomed me. And my solo show is what allows me to travel. So it does pretty well. Um, and it also depends, you know, I've done collaborations like uh, the Copenhagen Jazz Festival I played several years ago with an avant-garde quartet, vocalist, vibraphone, drummer, cello, you know, and that's a whole different thing. And they loved it, a whole different, you know, crowd. And I feel really blessed to be able to pursue these different styles of music and be well received when I go. It's, uh, it's a really, I feel very lucky. I was actually noticing your, your album, I think it came out in 2012. It seems very avant-garde compared to a lot of the kind of maybe folk fusion jazz stuff. Maybe 2013, Ferdinand? Yes. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And why did you choose that direction? So I have six albums now, and my first album is a French chanson, you know, album. Mamie de grâce nous mettons face sous la gorge à Cupidon, sa propre flèche. Qui de leur bonheur ont payé ce sacrilège J'ai l'honneur de ne pas te demander ta main Ne gravons pas nos noms, voilà pas de chemin All French songs, very uh, you know, uh, nostalgic French chanson album. The second one is an avant-garde trio with Tim Green and Doug Garrison, so saxophone, drums, and cello. And then I went back and recorded my first solo album, which is song-based. And then I went back to the avant-garde and recorded a duo album with James Singleton. my love for improvised music really fuels my art and fuels my soul. I, I'm always very happy when I get to improvise freely. You know, it, it, it extends my technique. It opens up doors in my musicianship. And I just absolutely love it. Um, but I do like songs and, uh, and do write a lot of songs with structure and everything. So I kind of told myself every other year, you know, or every other album, I would 
focus on the avant-garde or the improvisational experimental side and then I would go back and 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 feed the songwriting side of of what I do but this year I did two sort of song-based albums back-to-back so definitely do for another avant-garde album after this so two only only two albums in one year Wait, I know slowing down and slacking <laughs> no I've been an insane person is what I've been it's been but it's been amazing to uh it's been amazing to have these back-to-back albums I can't even believe that they're all done congratulations thank you it's very hard work uh the Hungarian song you played yes I read that it's actually a Hungarian folk song that you found covered by a Dutch punk band. Yes. Is that true or false? That is true. The interwebs. That's good. They were right. a lot about you. They can be wrong, (laughs) but they were right. No, um, that is actually a Hungarian song that I think is so popular that it's been covered. It's a very, um, you know, uh, very popular Hungarian folk song. So this band called The X covered it in the early 1990s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, with a punk cello player from the States called Tom Cora, who also is very big in the improv, avant-garde improv jazz scene. Uh, And he's a big role model to me. I listened to him a lot as I was learning how to improvise. And his name is Tom Cora. Very special, special cat. He's unfortunately died young, but hmm. he has some amazing recordings out there for anybody who's really interested. You should look him up. And they covered just this Hungarian song. It's not like they have a whole repertoire. Oh, no, they have a whole, like, they have a lot of songs, but they happen to have this song. And I actually uh, only found out about Tom Cora after I came back from Hungary with this folk song, and I was practicing it, and one of my roommates said, hey, that, did you know that uh, there's this punk cello player that covered that? Huh. So. It's kind of funny how I came about that. You'd think it might be the other way around, but that's how it happened. So it's kind of cool. Do you speak Hungarian fluently? Not at all. It's a killer language. It is. It's crazy. It is so crazy. Difficult. I know. And I'm butchering the Hungarian. I, I've been forgiven by lots of Hungarians. They're like, oh, it's not bad. I'm like, I know you're lying. You're like, it's punk. I'm doing my artistic <laughs> punk version. Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, I've tried. I, I wrote it out. The guy who taught it to me wrote it out phonetically, knowing that he was like, well, do your best. You know? Can you pronounce the name for us? Hidegen fuinok oselek. Igen, I remember that's yes. yes. <laughs> and then Shegicheg. Help. Shegicheg? Yeah, very, very important. Okay, <laughs> how about this? Liga Lega Luba. It one. means goose field. <laughs> like, like specifically a field with geese in it, not at any field. You know, they have amazing, it's amazing. That They're amazing over there. Beautiful very, country. Mm-hmm. Beautiful country. Well, I want to ask you a little more about what you've got brewing mm-hmm. you mentioned before you just finished two albums but before that i do want to let the audience ask some questions <laughs> whoa don't all come no, I'm just kidding. um helen i was just wondering do you uh know or or i'm sure you know the music of uh fred lomborg home yes yeah and were you like inspired by him or did you hear him before or after you were doing this kind of music I mean, you know i had a gig with fred Oh, cool. In 2006 or seven, soon after Katrina, oh, everything okay. is relative to that. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I, um, I actually, whenever Hurricane Gustav was, mm-hmm. I forget what year that was, um, mm. a, a Chicago-based bass player, uh, Matthew Golombiski, hmm. wrote a concerto for cello and, and orchestra with the Tomorrow Music Orchestra. He's actually just about to release uh, that recording 
Um, so I played the concerto, and it's a lot of improvising with a full jazz orchestra. And it was during that trip that I met a lot of these Chicago musicians that I'm still oh, cool. working with today. And he is one of them. And oh, I'm great. about to play with him at Oka Fest in Milwaukee in June, uh, June 6th and 7th. He's fabulous. He plays a carbon fiber cello. Oh, I didn't know that about him. Yeah, and um, great style. And actually somewhat similar to Tom Cora in, mm-hmm. in sound. That's what you, when you mentioned Tom Cora, I was just like, Oh, there's this other guy. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very similar. Are okay. they also they look kind of similar too? <laughs> yeah. Cool. But yeah, Fred Lomberg Holmes, wonderful cellist uh, from Chicago, uh, experimental. Some, someday I'll get to see both of y'all in the same show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring him to New Orleans. Yeah, actually, I think he's coming here this summer sometime. I can't give you the dates, but I think he's coming here. So yeah, check it out. Well, maybe, look out for that. Maybe you'd let Milo's Music Parlor host the two of you again, or you again. Be amazing. Yeah, I hope I'm I hope I'm in town when he's in town. So we'll see. So the future, where can, first of all, where can we see you in New Orleans? Well, I'm having a double CD release party on Thursday, in okay. two days from today, um, at Gasa Gasa on Ferret Street. Start uh, doors are at ten, and I'm gonna it's double CD release party, so I'm gonna uh, do a solo set followed by my seven piece French band. So it's gonna be a really fun night. And the name of that band? It's just I'm just using my name. Okay. Yeah, for everything. <laughs> I've learned. <laughs> I've learned that people were like, I didn't know you were on that game. Right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's my band. I yeah. did all the songwriting. It's yeah. my French big band. Sometimes I call it that, but it's my name. It originally was called Wazozo. Wazozo. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when it was a quartet. And actually before that, it was called Christmas in the Trenches when it's just a duo of me and my violinist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was named after that moment in World War II where the French and German troops oh. came together by singing opera, and, or by singing Christmas, not opera, that's... I don't know why I just said that, but it'd be funny if they did sing opera. <laughs> I, I heard a version that actually they were playing soccer together. I didn't hear the musical version of that. Well, I heard that they sang Christmas carols, but I think there is something with soccer as well. But they, they came Christmas together carol, on Christmas soccer, Eve. Yeah. You know? Why not do both? <laughs> totally. If, if they had done both at the same time. Uh, you know, it might be soccer. I, I, I thought in my head that it was also singing, but you, you're probably right. Christmas in the Trenches was, was our, our, my first attempt at learning how to sing and play cello. I was pretty raw at it, you know, I was very concentrated and um, I had a violinist with me who covered my, my mistakes and, um, and she's still with me today. Her name's Darren Douglas and she's in cool. the French Big Band, yeah. So. Anywhere else we can see you? Do you have any regulars that we can catch Monday you? nights. Uh, every Monday I'm at Bacchanal. Uh, as long as I'm in town, I'll be here through, uh, through April and beginning of May, um, and then in and out during the summer. I'll, I'll be on tour a lot this summer, but then I'll be back in the fall every Monday. Cool. 7.30 to 10.30. And any links, your website? Yeah, my website's helengelay.com, and that's two L's, one T. Starts with a G. <laughs> um, dot com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, and um, so, and I think, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got all my gigs up on my uh my website and you can also find my music at the louisiana music factory here locally and i do sell cds super old school style through my website uh i will mail them to you right personally that's right and i usually include a little little note so i'm kind of i love my fans you're old school like that that's right i'm a cellist You're a cellist with a loop pedal. So oh, I know. I, I don't. Yeah, contaminated it. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, Helen, for coming on to the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and this is a beautiful place to come play in. Thanks for listening to Milo's Music Parlor. Thanks so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing. This has been a production of It's New Orleans and Milo Records New Orleans and sponsored by WTUL. And a very special thanks to today's guest, Helen Gillet. All right. Our show is produced by Kim Boudin and Mark Tobler. Our technical director is Chris Keough. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Roman Jasmine. Milo's Music Parlor was recorded today at Tassology Art Cafe, located on the historic O.C. Haley Boulevard in New Orleans. For more information on how to attend one of our live performances, check us out at www.milorecordsneworleans.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. This show is sponsored by WTL. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Milo's Music Parlor shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, Midnight Menu Plus One, Louisiana Eats, and Unlisted NOLA. Milo's Music Parlor is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and Milo Records New Orleans. For everyone here today at Milo's Music Parlor, thanks for joining us. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.